Stem Cells at Lunch Digested is brought to you by the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. Hello and welcome to Stem Cells at Lunch Digested podcast. I am Vlad Strukov and I'm a PhD student at the Immune Regulation Laboratory at King's College London. Today I'm joined by uh, Dr. Carrie Ambler, who is an associate professor in the bioscience department at Durham University and director and chief scientific officer at LightOx. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So maybe to start off, could you tell uh, our listeners more about the research that's happening in your group? Um, yeah, happy to. So my research group at the university is focused on cell and tissue biology with the particular interest in understanding how cells make decisions, um, how cells decide when to divide, when to um, mature, and essentially when they die and all that process of life. So tissues are regenerated, particularly the skin is regenerated quite frequently and they must be replenished through stem cells that exist within that skin population. And my, my basic interest in understanding how cells make choices. So what was your main motivation to get started or advanced in this particular field of research? Actually, my background is in developmental biology. And I, I, I actually, before that, I'm actually this plant biologist um, by the farthest training. So I have an <laughs> undergraduate degree in plant science. I thought that I was interested in understanding plant pathology and avirulence for plants. When I went to the University of North Carolina to study that plant pathology, I met a woman named Vicki Bouch, and she introduced me to mouse embryo development. And the patterns that develop in an embryo were stunning. The fact that an embryos develop pretty much reproducibly the same way every time, I found magical. And I have left plants behind, much to my advisor's chagrin, and I became a developmental biologist. So as, a, as an undergraduate and a PhD student, again, particularly, particularly still interested in understanding how cells make choices, um, I worked on, believe it or not, blood vessel stem cells before they were called blood vessel stem cells, and we were looking at how um, those stem cells, again, when they commit to develop into a mature blood vessel and when they um, stay as an immature stem cell. So that was my, my background. And so with that stem cell interest, when I chose to think about what I wanted to do um, as a mature scientist, I guess, rather than a trainee, I became really interested in regeneration. So the idea that we need to continue to maintain tissues throughout life. So that requires that stem cell, again, in this case an adult stem cell, to be able to replenish populations that have to get lost. That then translates, of course, into damage. So what happens when you damage your skin, you cut yourself, how do you repair that situation to a nearly functional piece of tissue that's going to allow that animal to live for an extended period of time. And whether that animal's a human, a mouse, a rat, or a whale, you know, we all have to go, mammalian systems have to go through a generation process, and, and that's what I'm interested in. Um, so in your opinion, um, what was a recent, or one of the recent most exciting findings in your field that uh, shaped the research that you do um, in, your, uh, in your group? My group research is changing, and I think that's interesting because I have definitely been influenced um, by the ability to think about how chemicals and 
um, even therapies can potentially control cell behaviors. So again, previously I've talked about what happens naturally in a sort of an, uh, a non-pathological situation when you have tissue repair and regeneration. I've become much more interested in pathology as I have gotten older. So disease states, cancer, um, skin problems such as psoriasis. And with that, there's a need for improving therapeutic options for the uh, patients that have whatever disease you have, improving therapeutic options. So my group has actually transitioned from understanding what does happen to understanding what potentially we could do to help patients over the long period of time. So rather than having a single sort of key piece of work that's actually changed my work, I would, my research, I would say it's been more about new motivations to try to help patients in the therapeutic sense as, as in the long term. And that's actually how um, the work with Litox has come about. So beyond my own natural curiosity about what cells do, we've been taking that knowledge and applying it to try to develop better therapies for humans. So in regarding uh, the findings that you generate in your group, as you mentioned with the uh, um, chemicals that you use, um, how do you translate those insights into um, therapeutics or clinical products? Yeah, no, that's, that's a very good question. So um, I think it, in any type of therapeutic development program, drug development program, the, the underpinning science and how good that underpinning science is is absolutely key. So we have to take the biology that we do in our lab and work to, to, to understand how chemicals function in cells and how the mechanism of action of these chemicals work to then be able to, to use that knowledge to create and hopefully develop some better drugs. So, um, so that's part of the application of what I do. So studying stem cells and skin stem cells in the lab, but also then understanding how we then apply chemicals that can change what the stem cells do has been one of the things that we've, we've been working on quite, quite, um, quite a lot. So taking that knowledge and then translating that into the company to be able to, to look at developing better drugs. So could you tell us a little bit more about the chemicals that you are using um, for the clinical applications? Sure. So it, it all came out about quite naturally. <laughs> so we were making chemicals to try to switch stem cells from a stem cell state to a differentiated state to be able to control that process. Yeah. And those chemicals, we made fluorescent. So if you shine a light on them, they glow. And that allows us to watch what the chemicals are doing in cells and see where they move and what other proteins that they interact with. So that was how we started. And what we found is that by making these glowing chemicals, they had some very distinct and unique properties that we've been harnessing. So some of them are really bright and we can use them to track stuff in cells. Some of them are not quite so bright, but actually what they do is they convert light energy into chemical energy. And essentially what they do is that chemical energy causes damage to the cells and we're actually been using that damage factors to, um, to kill cells. And more specifically, because it's a light responsive factor, um, we can then control which cells are receiving the, the light and so therefore which cells we can kill. And that's been um, essentially the, the, the way we've been, been translating that work. So in addition to your academic role at Durham University, you are also the chief scientific officer of a spin-out company. Um, could you tell us how did you get started and uh, why did you decide to start your spin-out company? Um, yeah, so 
as I said, the, the ability to make chemicals for Litox has come about through lots of academic work. So about 10 years ago, I started working with a chemist in Durham called Andy Whiting. And we were, again, making artificial factors for controlling stem cell behaviors. Um, that project has led through intellectual curiosity and sort of following the trail. We've now been making different fluorescent molecules that, as I said, have purposes for both life sciences tools but also therapeutic applications. About three, maybe four years ago, we decided that we would give it a go. What we'd actually see if these tools that we've been generating, and we have about a hundred of them currently um, in the in the library, whether we could develop them both for, for life as a, as a life science tools. And actually, I'm really pleased to say that um, we're now selling them through Sigma Millipore, um, which oh, is the world's wow. largest chemical catalog company. Um, so that's actually been quite a quite a nice thing going, going forward. And then also, but deep in my heart, you know, we, we really wanted to develop therapies. So we've had kind of two angles to, to taking this back catalog of chemicals and looking to see what we could do with it. That's been um, really intellectually interesting, but in a completely different way than academic research, because your knowledge of what customers want, how you sell products, how you market products, how you take things that you think have value and trying to figure out whether other people think they have value. And that's been a, a, a different and incredibly challenging journey for me, but I find that rewarding and complementary to the academic work that I do. Brilliant. So, <clears throat> as you just mentioned, you were facing dif uh, different challenges in a, a commercial environment. Um, did you have any previous experience in business administration or did you have to pick up the skills as you went along or could you actually transfer the skills that you acquired as a group leader and apply it in the new setting? So I had no experience at all. Um, I have picked up everything along the way but not alone. So I had um, the idea that we wanted to set up a company. I went on a um, training course basically so there's as an accelerator program I went through um, at the old AstraZeneca site at Alderley Park and they it wasn't really for me it was actually really about sort of the, the company but I have to say in the end of the day I learned a lot about business through that project we also hired a very experienced CEO and he's mentored me along the way okay. so understanding um, how to, to better um, hone my skills in business And we've made a lot of mistakes along the way, too. There's, there, you learn from those as well. I think the biggest thing is your skills as a group leader in terms of people management, project management, grant writing, all that does apply. But the pressures and the way things have to be communicated are completely different. So I feel I'm better at being able to take my work and explain it to, a, to an audience that won't know anything about science. Um, And that's really important because I'm not talking to other academics about my work anymore, for the most part. So what therapeutic or diagnostic potential do you see in your work and what novelty does your company offer over yeah. other previous approaches? Yeah, so um, we're focused on uh, the vast majority of it on oral cancers. So the problem with oral cancers, the treatment options are not great. So particularly for the most common oral cancers, which are the cancers of the tongue, um, They don't get diagnosed until primarily the first options are surgery, followed by chemo and radio, which provide um, quality of life issues for the patients. So we have been looking to take cell-selective targeting 
chemicals, so things that will target specific cancer cells, and attaching our fluorescent molecules to it to develop a co-diagnostic and co-therapeutic agent. So by targeting the right cells, we can take the fluorescence molecule and be able to shine light on what we think is a precancerous tumor and be able to see whether we can detect it earlier. And the second thing is by switching the light um, or intensifying the light that we're using, um, the ability to kill cells specifically is another added advantage of our, our chemicals. Now, there are other people who are developing this sort of technique, but our, our fluorescent molecule is, has some advantages. It's very, very small, um, which makes it readily uptakeable um, by all sorts of cells. In fact, you can take it up in everything from a bacterium to a mammalian cell. So essentially, it, it crosses all sorts of walls that most yeah. fluorescent molecules won't. The second thing is because it is small and it was designed to be made into a, um, so formulated into a tablet type situation, it doesn't have to be injected. It's something that you could potentially spray on or use in a mouthwash situation. So like yeah. a dentist could begin to look at a diagnostic situation yeah. earlier rather than have it be you know, a little bit later down the process. So early detection, and hopefully early eradication is what we're going for. Brilliant. So to wrap it up, uh, in what direction do you think your research will go in the next few years and what exciting new areas would you like to further investigate? I'm torn. I, interestingly enough, have published more work in chemistry journals <laughs> in the past year than I have published in biological journals. I love that because, again, intellectually it's a new challenge for me. I miss doing as much skin research and I, I miss feeling comfortable in that environment that I, I really enjoy working in as well. Um, I don't want to give up my skin research full time, but I find myself more and more uh, entrenched in doing, I would say, more basic cell biology that is again, inter intellectually interesting, but almost um, taking me in a direction that's out of my comfort zone. Now, as I said, I've come from plants to developmental biology. I published an immunological paper recently. I feel that I do enjoy the intellectual challenges of something new, and there's no doubt this is definitely pushing me in directions that are new. I've learned more chemistry in the last five years than I ever thought I would, um, and that's, that's been great. The other thing is, you know, because it's light, so I have chemists in my lab, I have biologists, and I have physicists, and all three science disciplines are absolutely essential to be able to take the work that we need to go forward. And again, being pushed in different ways has been, has been good for me. So thank you again so much for joining us um, and taking the time to speak with us. I'm really looking forward to your talk. Um, this was Stem Cells at Lunch Digested. Mm -hmm.